Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, I'm so glad you turned up, because if you'd stayed home, I'd be bored. (laughs) I want to talk to you about the search for intimacy, because I was a high school teacher for nine years, before I became a youth pastor. And over the, uh, the, the lot, lots of years that I've been involved in trying to help people, this becomes one of the biggest issues uh, that I've watched people struggle with. Um, I'm really grateful. I'm so grateful that um, I married a girl and we've been able to make it work. Uh, tomorrow we celebrate our 51st wedding anniversary. Um, I was only three years old when we got married, and uh, as a result, I'm 54. I've watched a lot of people over those years, friends I went to school with, people I went to church with, get married, and over that long period of time, I've watched so many of them, it hasn't worked well. My own two sisters went through really terrible divorces. One of them, her her husband tried to murder her. He was so angry and upset with her. The other sister uh, had a terrible divorce and as a result spent 10 very lonely years, some of the best years of her life. And so if I can help people make the second biggest decision of their life well, I can change everything for you. And because I've seen a lot of life and I've lived plenty, uh, I can help you. The first most important decision you'll ever make in your life is, that, is whether or not you'll follow Jesus. And I think at least many of you in this room have already made that decision. And it's a good one. Stick with it. Don't let Jesus go. The second biggest issue that you will ever face is the question, will I get married? And if I do, who am I going to get married to? Now, immediately you're shocked because when you're your age, you think it's got to be someone in the youth group. And you know, I remember, you know, you look around the youth group and you say, oh, you know, oh no, there's no one. I don't think there's anyone here I really, I really want. Well, settle down. They may not be in this room, but one day you'll ha- you have no idea when, when it'll happen. I had no idea that walking down a corridor in year 12, I would meet a year 11 girl who would one day be my wife. And I want to tell you, it makes an extraordinary amount of difference who you marry. Who you marry will change the way your life works out. Um, Let me show you a picture. Look at that. See, that's a picture of me and Helen 51 years ago. Aren't I handsome? (laughs) Laughter is not appreciated, girls. That's not, not the time to laugh. And she's beautiful. When we married, we were, we were kids. I was 20, she was 19. We were both training and preparing to become teachers. I had no idea what the implications of that day were. Why did I marry? Because she was beautiful. But I had no idea of what the consequences would be. That's most of our little tribe that's come out of our 51 uh, years of relationship, four children and now 12 grandchildren. Not all of them are in that picture because we've added a couple to that picture uh, since. I had no idea the importance of that moment. Um, I had no idea of really who I'd married other than to say that I knew she was smart because she was a prefect at school and I wasn't. I was on the fringe of the nerds when I was going to high school and I always thought I was the luckiest bloke in the world 
because I was one of the last kids in short pants and I had a big nose and I never thought anyone would really like me. And I ended up winning one of the babes of the school. And that was kind of a really good thing. But I didn't realise how much God had invested in her. And I really had no idea what God had invested in me. And I didn't realise what what extraordinary things would come out of the two of us living our lives together. Because it isn't just about marriage, it's about destiny. You've got to understand this. When, you, when you, you're your age, you've, it's not easy to kind of think, how will life be way down the track? But God has a destiny inside of you. He has a, a plan to, to do things that will bless other people, change their lives, make them richer in every possible way. I had no idea how much was tied up in the both of us. Now here's Helen receiving one of her three master's degrees. I have a degree and I've got a doctorate. She's got three master's degrees. She's got a degree in adult, edu- a, a, a master's in adult education. She's got a master's in counselling and she's got a master's in science and medicine, sexual health. She's really smart. And I had no idea that what God had locked up in her would end up doing that. Um, When we were at high school, I never imagined that God wanted to build an amazing church and have us lead it for 26 years. And out of our leadership has come such amazing things. I wouldn't have imagined it. If I'd married a different girl, that would never have happened. Um, It was her courage and her wisdom and the thing that Helen brings to the the table that allowed me to fulfil that calling. Uh, Here's another thing. I had no idea at that early age of my life that this would happen. See, we're here today, this weekend, and some of the things we're going to talk about is called Careforce Life Keys. What's that? Well, these are 15 different programs that we've built that change people's lives. People recovering from um, abuse of alcohol, abuse of sex, people that have been survivors of sexual abuse, people struggling with sexual addiction, people who are wrestling with their marriages, people who have been raised in dysfunctional family backgrounds, people who don't know how to parent, people who, uh, who are wounded as children. One of the loveliest programs we've got is called Kids with Courage and it's being used in primary schools all over this country. Where did it come from? It came from a boy and a girl who met each other in high school and I had no idea that that was locked up inside. You need to know this. Inside you there is destiny. And who you marry is not just about the excitement of romance and the excitement of sex and the excitement of having someone to live with. It's about generations and it's about destiny. God has a destiny in you. And I know that when you're you know, 12, 16, 18, you think, oh, it's happening, God, I need destiny. I don't know what it is. You have no idea what's locked up in you. You just live long enough and you walk with Jesus. You have no idea what's locked up in you. But I can promise you this, it depends profoundly on who you marry. Now, here's my question. Be honest. Who would love to one day get married, have a family, and, and, and have it work for a whole lifetime. You'd, that you, you had a marriage that worked really well and you loved each other for your whole life. Who, who, who would say that's a, that, that's a fair picture of life? Go on, don't be afraid. Um, we won't put the hands up for the ones who don't want to get married at all. That's all right. You'll, you'll grow up. You'll change. 
Let me ask you this question. What's it going to take for that to happen? What's it going to take for that to happen? One of the most important moments in my education in high school happened when we drove our German teacher out of the class in tears. Uh, we, were, we used to mess around a lot in German class because um, we didn't want to learn German. We figured, well, I'm never going to go to Germany and I don't read German books and I, I, I couldn't buy a tram ticket with the amount of German I'm learning here. And what a, what a waste of time. So we used to drive our teacher mad. One day she ran out crying and went down to the principal. We thought, oh, well, now we're in trouble. But when the principal come, came back, he didn't yell at us. He said to us, you know, I understand why you're fooling around, kids, and the, the reason you're doing it is because you're saying to yourself, I want, what's the point of learning German? It's a waste of time. I'm never going to use German. And he said, you know what? You're probably right. In many ways, it probably in some ways, it's a waste of time. You've probably never used German. You've probably never learned enough to make any difference. But that's not the point. He said, the skill that it takes to learn German, the ability to take a book that you don't find pleasant or easy and wrestle with it and learn something from it, that's a skill you're going to need every day of your life. And tell me, when are you going to learn that? When are you going to pick up that skill? And that was the day I guess I began to appreciate the fact that you become the person you're going to be one day at a time. Every now and then we think, oh, when the right person comes, oh, dang, you know, I'll be amazing. No, you'll be what you have become over all the days between then and now and then. Um, there is no sudden springing into magnificence. You become what you're becoming one day of behaviours at a time. And let me ask you this question. Um, what kind of person are you looking for? What are you looking for? See, I grew up in a home where my father loved my mother. And I guess one of the most important things, I thought, well, I, I'd, I'd like to marry a girl who was beautiful. Um, what else? Well, I'm not sure. Just I'd like her to be beautiful. That's about as deep as it got. But if I'd, someone had ever asked me these kind of questions, I'd say, well, I'd like to have a girl who was kind of able to you know, stick around. I'd like to have someone who had character. I'd love to have a girl who, even if things were difficult, she wouldn't give up or walk away. I'd like to have someone with courage and fortitude. And thank God that's part of what I got. Because you're, you are becoming the person that one day you will meet another person and on that day you need to be the person that they're looking for. Becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for is your great challenge in life. And you become that one day at a time, just one day at a time. Um, becoming that person in the I world is not easy. You see, if you're going to make a marriage last, you're going to have to deal with stuff like pornography. The reason you've got to deal with that is because um, it's become so much a part of your world and it was never part of mine. I'm the person who created the Valiant Man course and one of the things I do is I try to help men straighten their thinking out about women because when a guy has kind of bathed in pornography for a year or two, his heart is so far from being the kind of man that a girl is looking for that when that day arrives, he's just not ready for it. 
because he's become defiled and now a girl is about to stand alongside of him and I stood alongside Helen um, in 1968 and I said to her, forsaking all others and cleaving only unto you. You see, it takes a certain kind of a man to do that. And I thank God I was not raised in the, in the day of pornography. Um, for the last, this year, I've, now had, I've run now two Valiant Man courses with just groups of young men. And a number of them are young men preparing to get married. And the reason they're in my class is that they know that pornography has changed the way they view women. And now they're about to marry a woman and they know that getting married won't heal the damage that's been done in here. And if they carry what they have inside here and here into that marriage, they're going to wound a woman that they're promising that they're going to love for the rest of their life. And so it's partly my job to try to help them to clean up their heart, to cleanse it. And it's not an easy road. And one of the reasons I'm, I'm in a better place to, to have been married for 51 years than you might be is that I was raised in a world where this just didn't happen. See, if you wanted to find pornography when I was your age, you couldn't have found it. It just wasn't around. You couldn't buy it. You wouldn't even know where to go. You'd have to have a private detective to kind of hunt it down for you. I never saw a nude picture until I was 18 years old, and that's because I was working in a quarry, and they were pinned up on the quarry wall where these guys were working. I never knew that stuff even existed. Today, the average kid that's encountering pornography is about six or seven years of age. In fact, in, in Brisbane, not so long ago, they had to remove a third of the girls from the classes in primary school because of sexual assaults by seven-year-old boys on seven- and eight-year-old girls. Because the kids are bathing in pornography, and even at the age of seven, it's just messed with the whole way they view people and the way they view relationships and now they're really damaging and it's very dangerous. It's a dangerous world for women when young men are bathing in pornography. The the I world doesn't set you up to be married for 51 years. Um, The I world sets you up for a lot of dangerous stuff. You see, in, in the I world, you will learn that Any sexual behaviour you want to come up with is okay. No one should criticise it as long as everybody's saying yes. You walk down that pathway, you create the kind of heart that's not capable of being married, not for any length of time. Because the the one thing we know about the, the influence of the I world is it makes people so profoundly dissatisfied with anything but perfection. Now I want to tell you this. If I was married to a girl who couldn't live with anything but perfection, we wouldn't be married today because I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm just an ordinary person. I could perhaps even say the same. Well, I wouldn't stay with Ellen. She's not perfect. But see, I grew up in a world where you value a human being so profoundly that she embraced me imperfectly. I, I embraced her in her imperfections. And we've just decided we're going to love one another. The I world says, you know... Um, you don't need to do that because what you really need is pleasure. You really need pleasure. The I world says you'll never know if you might be happier with someone other than the one you're with unless you try. You'll never know. Um, how do you know, Hell, that you couldn't be happier by you know, trying sex with somebody else? And the answer is because I promised Jesus I wouldn't. If I did, I'd break her heart and then I'd be a different human being. And out of that, we couldn't make a marriage work. Um, The I world will tell you anything you want to do is okay and you'll never know 
if the commitment you make is the happiest you can be, you've got to go try elsewhere. The I world will tell you happiness is the result of having one pleasure experience after another. Um, I wish we could stop and just talk about that bit tonight because if you just understood the pleasure centre of the human brain, I could explain something to you in about a half an hour that would really help you tone down some of the stuff that we get enticed to do in the eye world because it damages the pleasure centre and when you can't feel any pleasure, you think you're married to the wrong person. I've had so many people sit in my office and say, oh, pastor, um, we need to separate because we've fallen out of love. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we don't love each other anymore. You know, we've lost that love and feeling. Lost that love and feeling. We got it, so we got to go. Now, you haven't lost that loving feeling. You're you're defiled in here, and as a result, you've lost the ability to feel the pleasure in the beauty of your own relationships. And you think you've fallen out of love. No, no, you've got a damaged pleasure centre. I'd love to talk to you about that, but we don't have enough time tonight. And here's the inevitable outcome. If you soak in the eye world long enough, the outcome is it makes it really, really hard to build a bonded relationship that lasts for life. And I'd like to give you some clues tonight about how to make it, how to make a relationship that actually does last. First thing you've got to understand is this. If you misuse your sex life, it will damage you and it will damage other people. Again, I'd love to talk to you about that, but I don't have time. Let me just read this verse. It is God's will that you should be sanctified and that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control their own body or your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who don't know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. When I was a youth pastor for the first time, I, I, I came into being a youth pastor from being a high school teacher. And I watched it on the high school campus. People, well, look, we're hungry to be loved. We, we're desperate to find somebody that we would feel excited about being with and have a, an intimate relationship. We, we, we're, we're wired for it. And as a result, we go on a search. And I watched on the high school campus how, how easy it was to manipulate one another because of this empty need on the inside. And I watched the way it could destroy the, not only the future, but the hopes of a young person by being manipulated or used in a way where sex was misused. And out of that, they'd be damaged or hurt. It's a, it's a mystery as to why, to some people as to why misused sex is so damaging, but it is. Have you, ever been, have, you, have you never wondered why it is that you could touch a four-year-old child inappropriately and 50 years later they could be feeling the pain of that? It may be that some of you in this room have experienced something that was really unhelpful to you and you wish it hadn't happened. Don't ever deliberately create that environment and hurt someone else or including yourself because it just has the tendency to continue for a really long time so treat each other with dignity and with care and probably the biggest challenge you face is just you're looking for someone you're looking for someone you just want to be paired off and um, this is where mums and dads need to be really helpful to you Um, to just go from one serial relationship and broken heart after another damages you on the inside and the ability to make a commitment. So learn to make friends rather than create romances. Learn to have friends. 
The dangers involved when you start pairing off are, first of all, that getting face-to-face takes the place of learning to stand beside someone and be a friend to them. It makes sexual behaviour more likely. The I world has created special challenges for us in that because it's, the, it's what we see so, re, so readily on TV is that someone likes someone, the first thing they do is they go to bed with them. That's kind of almost like a, a way of saying hello. It isolates and closes doors. One of the saddest things that I ever had, my, my sister got paired off with a young guy uh, fairly early in her teenage years and as a result she ended up marrying the guy. She ended up marrying the guy because she was hanging around with him for so long. We didn't hear until later in her life, she de- she's dead now, but in later in her life she said, you know, when I was in the car on the way to church, I just wished my dad would have said to me, Margaret, I wish you wouldn't marry this man because if my dad had said that to me, I would have said, take me home, daddy. I don't want to marry him either. Well, then why are you in a wedding dress driving to a church to get married? Because she's been in the relationship so long, it ended up just in a, in a wedding. And I think what a tragedy because he later tried to murder her and she had 30 or 40 very lonely years. When you get paired off, it reduces your circle of friendships. Often your walk with Jesus gets completely ignored. And now is the time for you to be building a great faith, having a great education and building a great character. So don't just use up every waking moment going from one romance to another. Don't let someone rob you of the gift of singleness because often these are the years when you get to develop an education and it sets you up for wounding or a rejection. But now I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you something really wonderful. I'm going to give you five fingerprints of how to know when you've found the right person. Now, when I say the right person, I'm not talking about a perfect person. You want to know if you've ever found the right person? Let me give you five fingerprints of how to know if the relationship that we're developing could last for a lifetime. Here they go. Here's the first one. Fingerprints of God. First of all, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Just because you feel good with someone is not enough. Here's the first one. The Bible says, for it is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. First thing you need to know is God will never put you with someone you don't really like. Isn't that a good thing? So if someone comes up and says, God says, you've got to marry me, you tell him, go away until I feel the same way. Uh, I'm not getting married because you say so. I'm getting married because I've got a heart to do it. Because if it was really God, God would be working in me to will and to do. And right now I don't will and I don't do, so go away. Here's the second fingerprint. Just because you do have a heart or a passion for someone is not enough One of the great skills in life is learning to pray and have a sense of whether God is for something or against it. Uh, You can only ever learn it by, by experience. You've got to learn to pray over stuff enough to feel whether there's a restraint or a release. And here's the second fingerprint. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. If you were to be prepared to pray over your relationships... Um, God has the ability to kind of check you in your heart and say, "Mm, this is somebody else's future, not yours. And as a result of that, can save you uh, from a lot of pain. Here's the third one. You shall not plough with an ox and a donkey together. God wouldn't even plough a field with two animals that were incompatible. 
And as a result, one of the most helpful insights as to whether you've got a future is the degree of compatibility, your emotional compatibility, uh, your, your character, your dreams for life. One of the things that um, was uh, so clear to us is both of us were just totally committed to teaching and to education and to the future of young people. It's one of the things that brought us together and has kept us together. So someone's got to do the work on whether or not you're compatible. By the way, that shouldn't be your best friend because they want what you want and they just like to see you happy so they might lie to you. Um, This is where you've got to realise how important it is to not lock your mum and your dad out of your developing romances. Don't lock your mum and your dad out of it. Now one of the reasons my daughter married the right guy was that she heard me teaching this stuff for a long time and then she fell in love with the wrong guy. And when he came to me and said, oh, we want, I want to court your daughter, I said, look, I'm not going to give you permission to do that because I don't want you tying into her heart until I have a sense that this has a future. And I don't know that you do. It does. Well, um, one night she came down to my bedroom and she had tears running down her face and she said, Daddy, are you sure that he's not the right guy? And I just said, please trust me, sweetheart, trust me. She told the guy, well, I'm not marrying you until my dad feels like, you know, this has got a future. And you think, goodness me, what kind of a family have you got? Well, we've got a family where dad cares about his kids. When she said that to him, he blew up in her face with a rage she had never imagined was possible and scared the daylights out of her. Then six months down the track, this good-looking musician, she's a musician. In fact, if you watch on Australia's Got Talent in the next couple of weeks, you'll see her. Her name's Jennifer Anderson. Uh, how many people seen, uh, have seen um, Australia's Got Talent, have been watching this series? Okay. Did, on the very first night, she sang opera and then pulled a dress off and then sang a rock song at the end. That was my daughter. And if you watch in the next few weeks, she'll do the same. She'll, she'll uh, sing again. And... Um, We're hoping she's got a really good chance at winning this thing. Her name's Jennifer Anderson. Vote for her or I'll come to your house and I'll I'll, I'll talk to you about that. She came down to my room and cried and I said, trust me. When she did, she saw a side of that young man she hadn't seen before and she stepped back. If she hadn't stepped back to be free to meet Rowan when he came into her life, she could have been locked up like my sister was. But she was free. And when Rowan, who was a musician running a sound studio, he brought her, he hired her to do backing tracks for him and fell in love with her. And when he rang and asked to speak to me, I knew we were talking to the right guy. And so they've been now married for many years. Someone's got to think through compatibility. Here's number four honor your father and your mother. You've got to know this. In finding the right person, your mum and dad have a real key role to play. And part of the I world would say, get your mum and dad's got none of their business. They're old, they wouldn't know what day it was. But they love you. And they're, they're not caught up in emotions the same way you are. Don't disconnect from your mum and dad when it comes to this second great uh, issue in your life. Stay connected. And here's the last one. How can two walk together except they be agreed. It's the issue of discipleship. If Jesus Christ lives in here and you find yourself in a relationship and Jesus didn't arrange this, 
you'll find your walk with Jesus begins to get tougher and harder and less interesting and you watch it spiral down. But when Jesus brings two people together, something on the inside begins to to flourish and you find your walk with God gets better and your discipleship gets stronger and you, you want to love God more. So these five things can actually help to save your life. Now I'm going to stop now because my time's up. But all I'm going to say to you is I'm trying to tell you a few things from a series that takes me about 10 hours to explain and it's called The Search for Intimacy. Your mums and dads are here. I have a few of those sets here. If you are at that point in your life where you're saying, I'd like to understand this a little bit better, get a hold of one of those sets, go through it with your family and prepare your heart for an amazing life. Would you come up for just a moment, sweetheart? No, just come up here. I jumped down like that young man jumped right up on this platform. Just hold me. Just stand right there. Now, that see, this is the fruit of my amazing teaching. What do I say? Nothing. (laughs) Father, we pray together for these kids. We pray for their destinies and their futures. Lord, they deserve better than heartbreak and disappointment. And I pray for them that in the life of Jesus that they will develop and become the kind of young man and young woman that the person they're looking for is looking for. And I pray that the day will come when they'll say, I'm glad I heard that talk because it helped me make a good decision. And I ask that you'd bless these kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You're the best I've ever heard. You're amazing. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329-1777. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.